listening to Drinking Socially, the official Untapped podcast. Your weekly look into what's happening in the Untapped community and the world of beer. I'm Kyle. And I'm Tim. Drinking Socially is released every Wednesday morning and can be found at podcast.untapped.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, we are drinking something a little bit different. Uh, so let's crack in and see what we're drinking. Tim, what do you have? I have something I'm pretty excited for. Um, I have Old Man Hatton. This is coming from Firestone Walker Brewing. It's a strong ale, and it's 10.5%. Uh, a friend of mine, I'm going to give a shout-out to Matt W. for picking this up. I saw this on um, on their Instagram, and uh, he went down and picked it up for me when he was picking up a few other things, which is pretty cool. But it, it's super interesting because if you know Firestone Walker, mm-hmm. you know they, they're all about blending. They're all about taking all their high-gravity beers and just mixing them up and making really crazy, interesting things. So this beer is in no way different. It is a barrel-aged mashup of two classic drinks, the Old Fashioned and the Manhattan, hence the name Old Manhattan. Got it. A Manhattan. It's, uh, yeah, Old Man and then Hatton. I, for some reason, my dyslexia makes me want to say Old Mad Hatton for some reason. <laughs> Maybe it's like a, a winter uh, cold sort of thing where my nose would be plugged, mad-hatted. Yeah, that's, that could be. This might clear it up, though. Uh, the base is a blend of Velvet Merkin, Bravo, and Sticky Monkey aged in whiskey barrels. All very popular, I think, Firestone Walker beers, yes. And all very high ABV. <laughs> yeah, high-gravity beers. Exactly. Sure. The twist comes from select lots of Parabola and Helderado, which are also two pretty regularly sought-after and high ABV beers from Firestone, um, that were aged in Woodford Reserve barrels previously used to mature cherry bitters, orange bitters, and aromatic bitters. So that's where you get ah. the bitter side of it as well. So it's like this— Got it. I, I, I love both of those cocktails. Um a Manhattan or an old fashioned. They're both really good. I think it just depends on your mood. If you want something sweeter, you got the old fashioned. If you want something a little more boozy, you can get into like the Manhattan. It's a little more, a little less on the, um, the sweetness, but they're both my favorites. So this mashup plus all of the, I've had all, I think all of those different beers from Firestone Walker. So I'm super excited to try this. Yeah. And to take sort of the music analogy a little bit further of mashup, um, I think this is almost like a greatest hits of Firestone Walker as well. This is kind of like all their classic beverages in one, like blended into one beer. So from that point of view, I think is really, really interesting. I'm not a real like cocktail enthusiast. I've had a few, mostly with gin that I tend to like, sort of those like really intense juniper flavors, more of the earthy. Good choice. Uh, yeah, that's kind of my jam. Uh, less of the the like whiskey and uh, old fashions and things like that. But this sounds like a very, very interesting beer. Yeah, it sounds a lot like their anniversary beer, which is like a master blend of everything that they make. Mm. Um, but mm-hmm. with that that sort of twist of the aged in the um, the bitters barrels, which I think is super cool. All right. So I have got uh, the Three Magnets Town Series Wellwyn Garden Keeping Ale or Old Ale. Uh, this is apparently an English style stock ale. Brewed and bottled in February of 2017. Uh, it was kept in storage to further condition until later in the year. This I got through Tavor. I know we've talked a lot about uh, getting beers in Tavor. This is one of those from Olympia, Washington from Three Magnets that I thought I'd just keep in my cellar for a bit and uh, wait for a good occasion 
to bring this out. And I think this, this is a pretty good one. Uh, it, because it is an old ale, I felt like it was maybe kind of going along the same lines as your, you know, American Strong Ale, old Manhattan. Uh, so we we both have some old beers here, if you would. Plus, strong ales, barley wines, old ales, they all kind of fall into the same general subcategory. So it's pretty much right in line. And I have to admit, you were the one who turned me on to Three Magnets. And it, it is one of those beers that if I see it around, I immediately feel like I need to to snag it. This one says that it is best served at cellar temperature around 55 degrees Fahrenheit. So mine, I think think at the moment is a little cold. It was in the cellar for uh, basically since I got it. Um, but I'm going to have to I put this back in the fridge to, to keep it a little cooler uh, than it was in the cellar. So I'll wait for this to warm up a little bit. Uh, it comes in at 8.5% ABV. And it's in one of those big, you know, 22 ounce bomber bottles. So I'm excited to, to open this up. And uh, let's see what these taste like. Oh, I like that drop at the end. <laughs> All the way to the ground. So after just taking the cap off, I, this is in a 12-ounce bottle. Um, it immediately, I'm getting the hints of like Manhattan's and Old Fashions just right off the nose, right out of the bottle. Um, and it's very familiar because like I said, when I go out, usually if I'm not going somewhere that has a good beer list or I'm going to more of like a cocktail lounge or something along those lines, uh, Manhattan or an Old Fashioned are my go-tos. So I'm immediately getting that. Now, that's really interesting. When I think of uh, especially like an, an old fashioned, um, I'm thinking of the the orange bitters, right? Is that is that the old fashioned? Yes. Where it's got the, where it's got the twist? Yes. That um that has the I believe either. The, yes, it has the twist of orange. Usually you'll like do a little spritz over with the um, you'll you'll twist it and spritz the um, the skin, the oil off the skin and rub the, uh, right. the edges. Um, the, rim, the bitters, yeah. I think, just depend on who's making it. Um, I believe it's usually more the aromatic bitters, but cherry and orange can be, I believe, substituted in depending on how you're how you're making it. Hmm. But I, I do. I immediately get that aroma of like orange and cherry that sort of like if you've if you've ever made a drink like this, I, I've made them myself. And um, usually when you you this smells like the bitter bitters right out of the bottle um, with a little uh, bit of that alcoholic boozy that I would expect from a lot of these beers from um, Firestone Walker. Uh, it's right. it's it's kind of blowing my mind a little bit how accurate this is right <laughs> up to what they were looking for. Yeah, and I think I uh, just pure expectation for me, I would think a lot of the roasted malts in those beers is going to be a nice compliment and, and sort of give you that smoky characteristic that you would get from from these uh these particular cocktails or even like the the environment that you kind of expect to be drinking those kind of cocktails in the old fashioned the Manhattan sort of like, you know, smoky uh, cigar ish style, you know, dark mm. bars, uh, an old fashioned style thing, you know. Oh, yeah. And it, it pours super dark. I can um, looking through the side of the glass, you can can't even see through. But, you know, you can it's you can tell that it's a very deep, dark sort of reddish brown. Um, but it's 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 it pours very dark um, with very little head, at least in my pour here. Um, it's got a little ring of foam, but uh, overall, it looks very smooth. Um, you know, the tiny bubbles uh, and the, I just I can't get over that aroma. What's going on with yours? <laughs> uh, it poured kind of dark ish brown, a little bit on the amber side. If you hold it up to the light, 
the head is a nice sort of like khaki color. Uh, lots of tight bubbles on on the side and a couple of bigger ones, but it's it's overall very sort of like uh, creamy looking. On the nose, it's it, it seems as, as though it hasn't opened up fully yet, I would say. It's still probably a little cold. Um, but it does smell it smells sweet and kind of boozy. Uh, it's only at 8.5%, but it, it's got kind of like that. Uh, it, it tastes like it's going to be pretty heavy. I get a lot of caramel. I don't know. I don't I don't want to go too deep on on like the mm, mm, it's it's like leather and tobacco and, you know, like all, all those kinds of flavors. But I I'm excited to try it. I there's nothing about the style or a, a, a quote unquote keeping ale or an old ale that would lend me to think that it's going to have a particular taste. I think this is going to be probably very close to um, either whatever the the classic old ale style is or sort of a three magnets twist on it because three magnets is kind of one of those places that they're going to take a, a style, a, a milkshake IPA or a lager or whatever. And, and sort of like tweak it a little bit, make it a little bit more um, Pacific Northwest. Um, so I'm excited to, to see what this tastes like. And I should note that uh, both of our beers have very little, uh, very few check-ins. Um, yours is looking at a total of 324 and this old Manhattan is looking at about 230. So, um, I know that the old Manhattan was released only at the Firestone location. So I can't imagine that it was a, uh, that it was a very big batch. Um, so that's probably why, but it does have a 4.23 with, uh, just under 200 ratings and your, um, your Wellwyn garden has a 3.8 with 284 ratings. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So it tastes a lot lighter than I expected, actually, uh, based on on what it smelled like. It it definitely smells like it's either going to be super boozy or you'll you'll just straight up taste the alcohol in it. But it's it doesn't come off that way. It's it it's a lot lighter than than I expected. Still get a lot of the the sort of roast character to it. A little bit of caramel, slight caramel. Definitely not as sweet as as the nose. But I'm I'm really enjoying this, actually. It's it's very well balanced with the whole, you know, different smells and tastes. And um, this is this is, I think, a new category for me. I'm actually unsure. I might have to check my Wheel of Styles badge, but I don't think I've had an old ale before. Mm, that's a very good question. Now, I've got to uh, I've got to do a little research really quick while I'm pulling um, while I'm pulling up my beer history. Uh, this, this, uh, old Manhattan, it's got a very, uh, lightly sweet, um, sort of, I want to say sort of like that caramel, um, flavor. You get the, the aromatic sort of cherry bit, like the citrus bitters definitely pop out in the very front, Mm. um, Mm -hmm. when you first taste it. And as you swallow the hop, I feel, I want to say the hops, um, like you get a little bit of hops, but it's not so much hops as it is like you get that slight alcohol burn on the back of your tongue that you would expect from spirits um especially if you mm. were going to drink you know like a bourbon or a whiskey it it's not it's nothing that's unbearable it's not unappealing it's just it's there and you notice it and then it kind of dissipates mm-hmm. this one lingers but in a a really really pleasant way i think a lot of the malt character uh kind of stand stands up the whole time uh, throughout the whole drink and I, I think it's really good. The only I did look this up. The only other old ale that I've had, at least as we classify it on Untapped, is the Great Divide Brewing Company's Hibernation Ale. Um, 
I've only had that once. It appears same here. But it was uh, it was my first old ale. I had that back in 2010, uh, November 13. Uh, no, November 18th, 2013, for me. I have, however, had 16 American Strong ales, which includes Abita's Old Fashioned Pale Ale, which I had when I was down in um, Louisiana a while back. So that's pretty funny. Mm, mm-hmm. I have had 12 American Strong ales. Uh, it, to your point, Firestone Walker's 21st uh, anniversary ale. They're the majority of mine. Yep, yep, yep. That one was super good. I uh, had that one back in March of last year. Uh, Dogfish Head Immort Ale is another strong ale that I've had before. It's another 11% strong, indeed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jay Wakefield has one called Pie, uh, which was like a key lime pie strong ale, which was really, really good. Interesting. And I think probably the the one that has stood out the most to me, and if you're from California, you've been down uh, the 99 there is a huge, huge brewery called Dust Bowl Brewing, and they had this beer actually at their uh, Turlock Tap Room called Soul Crusher. Comes in at twelve percent ABV, and was probably at that point in my my career in beer the biggest beer I had ever had. Uh, <laughs> obviously, you're going to be a little bit biased trying an an eighty IBU twelve percent ABV Soul Crusher of a beer. Uh, but this one was just incredible and aptly named Soul Crusher. So I uh, I really, really enjoyed that. One. That's awesome. I did. I recently read and saw um, at a local at a local bottle shop that uh, Dust Bowl has started distributing in SoCal, which is super awesome. So I'm excited to go find more of their stuff. Yep. And they are also opening up a tap room, I believe, in Monterey, which is a little closer to where I am right now, which is which is nice. Kind of filling out that Central Valley area. So if you're ever out in California, definitely go check them out. Um, I, I recommend reservations, but yeah, definitely get out there. Have any of you had either of these beers? The Old Manhattan or the... I can't Wellwind even remember. Garden, Keeping Ale. If you've had either of these, you should definitely let us know what you uh, thought of them. You can tag us on um, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. We are untapped. And uh, as we like to say, you know, if you just want to tag us on uh, your check-ins to whatever you're having while listening to the show, we always love seeing that, kind of getting an idea for what you all are drinking. Uh, you can find us. I am at, uh, I am Tim A, T-I-M-M-3-H on Untapped. And Kyle, you are? Kyle Roderick on Untapped. So please uh, link up and, you know, tag us. Let us know what you're drinking. We are solidly in 2019. Another year has come and gone. And, uh, you know, taking a look back on 2018, we ended the year with over 146 million beers checked in on Untapped by our over 6 million beer-loving users. That is an incredible statistic, and a lot of our check-ins actually happen towards the end of the year while folks are with family and you know just uh, sharing the beers that they have and, and trying a lot of new ones. So it's really, really cool to see kind of coming towards the end of 2018 and, and into 2019. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there was surprisingly there were more than 40 uh 486,000 beers added to the Untapped database. Um a, a few a handful of those were um home brews, uh but the majority were commercial beers and that's just showing like how many new beers are hitting the market in a year. I'm I'm sure the numbers are higher than that, but that's just mind-blowing. Yeah, well, and to think uh, you know like 1% or less, maybe uh, what like 
a, a partial percentage of that are all named Resilience IPA. I think there, <laughs> we've got to get a stat on that this year, too, where like all of these beers having the same name uh, is pretty, pretty cool. And for those of you who like to go out and check out new venues to drink, our users visited more than 3.6 million distinct venues last year. That is 3.6 million different places added to check-ins with uh, people visiting a total of over 87 million venues uh, added to their check-ins. So uh, that's 87 million venues added to check-ins with 3.6 million of them being distinct. So that's that's a wow. pretty, that's a high level of um, repeat places. I, I hate I hate to be this way, but like thinking that there are 3.6 million places that people are drinking beer is just an incredible stat. That's that those are different places and, and some distance between them. Right. So if you kind of spread those out over the whole globe, that that's a pretty wild stat. Yeah, it is. And speaking of stats, uh, people love stats. I know I love stats. You love stats. Everyone loves a good stat. Everyone here and gets there. stats. <laughs> stats for you and stats you for get you. stats and you get stats uh, if you want to see your 2018 year in beer we've set up a nifty awesome new little landing page for you you can head over to year in dot beer that is year in dot beer uh to find out your stats you can go over there you can see your top five beers styles breweries and venues uh, throughout 2018 as well as some other fun facts including your top rated styles number of badges you've unlocked, and even an interactive map of your check-ins. Plus, once you're done, you can share your stats with your friends so that you can then compare and see, I don't want to say who did better, but what <laughs> what you had. Yeah, you can, once you do uh, generate your year in beer for 2018 by signing into your untapped account, uh, you'll then be able to share that with friends. You can generate an image, share that on Instagram. You can also click like a, uh, the Twitter button or Facebook button that'll generate a link that sends all of your stats sort of like the page that you're seeing out to your feed. So it's, I think, a really cool way to both share about your year in beer and also kind of like share about untapped and uh, be able to show folks that you uh, you like you like untapped and that you like beer mostly. And I liked beer a whole lot this year, Tim. Uh, I, we said we wouldn't say this, but I checked into 575 unique beers, uh, 96 distinct styles. I think that's the biggest stat for me. 96 distinct styles. I did have top styles, of course, and those are listed here, uh, in terms of top ratings as expected, American Imperial Double Stout, uh, made my top rated styles at 4.79 on average. I'm rating those pretty highly. I, If you take a look at my profile, I kind of skew really, really far to the right <laughs> on that histogram. But that's that's just me. I really like beer, so I tend to, I tend to rate pretty highly. Um, but having 96 distinct styles, it doesn't feel like I tried that many different types of beer. I, it feels like I kind of stuck to just, you know, the American IPAs and New England's and things like that. But um, it only accounted for... 102 total check-ins uh, of American IPA that ended up being my top checked-in style of the year. That's uh, yeah, I mean that is super impressive because it felt like for me it felt like it was the year of hazy IPAs and that was like the only thing that I had. But I I had 71 distinct styles on my end. Admittedly, I I looking at my stats, I feel like oh man, I definitely forgot to check in at some stuff here and there because I'm only looking at about 257 unique check-ins. But I know I did mm -hmm. check in a lot of repeats, uh, so. 
there is that. Uh, so please don't don't judge me based off my chickens because I definitely <laughs> tried a lot more beer than that. But seventy one distinct styles. That's also makes me kind of you know feel a little like wow. I don't remember even doing that. Right. Right. It could be, you know, American doubles. It could be sours or, you know, all sorts of stuff. My my top um, styles race based on rating. Um, I have sour ale as my top at four point six seven average with the, the American double imperial stout as the second. Uh, mine ended up, like I said, stout being number one. IPA triple came in at four five five average oh, wow. for number two for me, which is really surprising. I I tend to be very polarized by triple IPAs. Not only are they kind of not a style, typically, they tend to be far more boozy and almost uh, like a, like chemical or like astringent in a in a very unpleasant way i've had very bad triple ipas so seeing that for the year i rated the triple ipas i had last year pretty good is is really surprising to me and of course as expected number three ipa milkshake coming in at 4.48 of course of course yeah um what about let's take a look at our top uh our top breweries here uh for me it is very indicative that i moved this year I moved to Northern California, sort of like the Central Valley-ish area, kind of Central Coast area. I am about 45 minutes away from Alvarado Street Brewing. We've had a lot of their beers on the podcast before. Uh, They blew away every other brewery on here coming in at 32 check-ins. That's that's pretty impressive and not surprising. The same goes for me in terms of like my my movement and beer travels um, in the L.A. area. Uh, it it perfectly lines up with the stats that I have here, but I will say that it is obvious that I was on the uh, offshoot hype train because that is mm. my top my top brewery here. It's got eleven <laughs> check ins, but again, um, I didn't check in a lot of repeats from them, and I sure. did trade out a lot of beers. But I, I'm seeing I've got offshoot, I've got modern times, which I've been visiting a bit more now that we're downtown, and Firestone Walker, which is also um, over in the West LA area with their propagator um, brew house. And I've been visiting that quite a bit. So it makes perfect sense. Um, What about your top three venue categories? This is kind of interesting. Yeah, I think for the venues, the the cool part is seeing uh, where I spent most of my time, whether it was, you know, going to the pub and and drinking there, or if it was like grabbing beers, bringing them home, either in growlers, crowlers, uh, getting a box from Tavor, stuff like that. Uh, For me, it was just my sort of private home address coming in at 107 check-ins. But my number two, I think, is the more interesting one. It's the Great American Beer Festival. We were out there in Denver, Colorado back in September, and I had 77 check-ins. That was most definitely the peak, if you would, of the graph of my uh, my beers in 2018. Oh, yeah. No, that would that would probably be up there. I think uh, due to service, I, I honestly don't think I checked in many of the beers at the Great American Beer there Festival. There were some, yeah, there were definitely some issues there. But the the sort of conceit there is that they were doing one ounce pours of all the beers. So it was one ounce of a lager, one ounce of a 17% barrel aged beer. It, and I mean, we were, we were, we were working most of the time. So we weren't going around true. trying everything. <laughs> My top three, I've got brewery is the first, which makes sense. I've been visiting quite a few breweries lately. Um, bar, just a generic bar is uh, two and pizza place is number three. Yep. My, my pizza, pizza place came in second for me. Oh, uh, I, I would expect check-ins. that to be much higher. Granted the, the beer, uh, the beer offerings aren't exactly high at all of them. 
True. Yep, that that is absolutely true. Um, I think for both of us, we did a bit of international travel this year. Um, how many, I'm curious because you went to Europe, how many countries did you visit this year? I have four countries. Ah, yeah, I came in at three on mine, which were, had, had we, uh, made a small little pit stop in Canada, I think I would have, <laughs> would have hit four, but, uh, I've got the United States, Japan, and China. I, uh, United States, Canada, France, and the Netherlands, though, theoretically, I did check in while on the train within the Belgium border. So I feel like that should count, but hmm. It, hmm. I, it, I mean, it, I wasn't, I was only passing through. So I'll, I'll give it a sure. pass. Sure, sure, yeah. Can, uh, can, we also list uh, how many states and regions that you visited. So we may have some different considerations for, for European regions. Um, and then, of course, we've got unique venues on there as well. Uh, what about badges? I think badges, obviously, the core of the untapped experience. You're logging your beers, you're checking them in, and you're earning badges. Uh, do you have any memorable badges from this last year, or is there is there just a, a big old number there that that makes you feel super accomplished in in 2018? Uh, I my number is only 313, which I mean does seem surprisingly high for some reason. I mean, granted. Hmm. Unlocking badges, especially when you're traveling internationally or trying a bunch of different styles, it, it's pretty fast. I mean, I've had streaks of like five or six badges for one check-in, but still, right. it does for some reason seem um, higher than I would expect. Now, here's one conceit from 2018 for me. I turned on in 2018 retroactive badges. Oh, no, you did, didn't you? I did. So for me, so what that means is that you will earn basically back levels on any badges that we introduce in the future that are core badges. So like style related badges that are if we introduce a badge that is about double IPAs and you have had 600 double IPAs in your untapped career, but we introduce a badge today. Typically, the way it would work is you would only start earning levels on that badge from the day it's introduced. If you go to your settings and turn on retroactive badges, that will then count all of the beers that you've ever checked into on Untapped towards that new core badge. So for me, that ended up being over a thousand badges. I was going to say, so you're telling me there's like a little infinity symbol next to it? Pretty much, yeah. We, <laughs> I doubt we support infinity here in uh, year in beer, but uh, but it 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 was pretty close. Yeah. So and you can definitely you can go and share this page so that all your friends can see your stats. Um, and it was it was super fun putting this together, especially the. Um, you know, just getting that year in beer URL, I was pretty stoked with that. But if you <laughs> want to see your stats, head over to yearin.beer. So that's yearin.beer. Uh, and you will be able to log in with your untapped account and see your stats. All right, let's move on to our style of the week segment and take a look at this week's featured beer style. Here is Tim with more. This week, we're going to be taking a look at the Belgian-style triple. The following comes to us from All About Beer and their excellent write-up about this traditional style. A link can be found in our show notes if you want to read more. To many, the discovery of Belgian beers is a moment of great enlightenment. I think you and I are slowly kind of, as we try different styles and try and expand our palate here, we're, we're, we're kind of experiencing that a little bit. I know that I had an aversion to that sort of Belgian-style yeast uh, malt stuff, but it, I'm definitely coming around to it. Yeah, I think I am too. The fact that you can attribute uh, a beer to be Belgian-y uh, puts it in its 
own category sort of for for beer drinkers. And it does take a, a bit to kind of get used to it. But like I said, the Belgian style triples and quadruples were some of my first beers uh, that I checked into on Untapped. So kind of it, it's got a, a soft spot in my heart for them, you know. Excellent. The integration of technology, moxie, and charm forms a righteous trinity, one that is orchestrated in the brew house. In Belgium, those brewers might be monks or engineers, oftentimes intertwined to brew the revered and unrivaled Belgian ales. Style and method are similarly shared by monastic and secular artisans to bring us some of the most artful and flavorful beers of the world in double, triple, and quadruple. So that's all three of those for you. Mm -hmm. European monastic brewers are in many ways considered the forefathers of modern brewing, having refined the art within cloistered abbeys and with minimal outside influence. Supreme dedication and adherence to a philosophy of self-sustenance and craftsmanship, an intellectual approach and trust in divine guidance made them unrivaled brewers through most of the Middle Ages. Over the past 200 years in particular, the Trappist order has been the most influential in establishing several Belgian beer styles now emulated at home and abroad. As was custom in Belgium during this period, many breweries labeled their products based on the strength with simple designations such as single, double, and triple, approximately corresponding to 3, 6, and 9% ABV, respectively. My favorite part of this is the very next part. Oh, uh, yes. They might also have been marked as X, double X, and triple X. So that, it makes me feel like there is some sort of uh, truth, truthiness, if you would, to cartoons and, like, going through the Pirates of the Caribbean ride and, like, all the pirates drinking, you know, triple X. Uh, bottles that are just kind of carved on the side. It, it seems uh, as though there there's some truth to that. You're like stereotypical moonshine bottle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. By all accounts, these were all darker brews uh, that varied only in strength and often made in a party guile method. Triple would only become a pale, strong beer later, designed by a brewer who was advising the brewers of Westmall. Hendrik Verlinden of the Dry Linden Brewery Brewing scientist and yeast specialist had been formulating a golden ale to combat the celebrity of pale beers in Europe in the early 1930s. He actually helped Westmall in the 1920s as a consultant of sorts, uh, Westmall being one of the abbeys. In 1932, he released Whitcap Pater, now Whitcap Triple. His beers were marked as Trappist, which wasn't altogether apropos with those monasteries, The that is the Trappist monastery. So um, a little refresher, Trappist beers. They are beers that are brewed within the Trappist uh, abbeys. There are only a handful around the world. The majority of them are in Belgium, though there are a few scattered around other countries with, I think, one officially in the United States. Only beer brewed within these monasteries by the monks can receive the Trappist label. Because of Hendrik's earlier role in assisting the, the brewing process at one of these abbeys, he was the sole non-Trappist brewer who was allowed to market his beers as Trappist style. Wow, that's that's really interesting, too. The beer that you're talking about specifically, we've got uh, on Untapped here. It's got uh, over 12,800 unique check-ins to it, um, and it was listed in the New York Times ranked as the eighth place of best beers in the world. So listed as the delicate beer for gourmets uh, makes it definitely sound like it's a very complex uh, drink. And obviously it, it it's put out every single year and likely carries different flavors and, and stuff with it uh, as each variant is released. 
Yes, this is true. And West Mall, which is that Abbey that he helped, they actually introduced uh, their triple uh, and newly built brew house in 1934. It is actually still considered the standard by many. And then ever the perfectionists, uh, West Mall's esteemed brother Thomas tweaked the recipe to include more hops. And it is really it's remained unchanged uh, mostly since 1956. Yeah, that's that's incredible. That's we've heard, you know, recipes and things like that being pretty much the same for long periods of time. But this is one of those beers where this is available. You can get this in bottles. They, you know, it's available. There's 2018 vintage. That's out right now. Um and you can kind of taste exactly what it tasted like back in 1956. Man, 2019 goals. Visit Trappist Abbey. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so the triple, it's actually become a very reliable style among the Belgian um, exports. Four of the seven Trappists uh, make one, as do dozens of Abbey and independent brewers. The rejuvenation of brewing in Belgium with established breweries expanding their portfolio and the founding of new ones has actually resulted in a few more in the past 30 years. Triples are highly popular among beer lovers worldwide and in North America, even as the import business is as robust as ever. Microbrewers are increasingly dabbling in Belgians, which I think we, you know, you can kind of see there's a lot of people kind of harnessing uh, just here and there little pieces i i think i think that's a great subtitle for this podcast drinking socially dabbling in belgians <laughs> yes that is what we are doing for sure trying at least mm-hmm. so why is the triple so adored much of this mystique comes from the innocent deep golden color soft maltiness and customary intriguing yeast stamp that is followed by a sucker punch in the range of 8 to 9.5% ABV, a combination that offers culinary quality complexity rivaling any darker brew. The burnished golden color comes from a hefty grist of predominantly mellow, clean, continental Pilsner malt. Small amounts of character malts, rarely exceeding a few percentage points of the grain bill, may include light crystal or aromatic or even other flaked or malted grains like oats or wheat. Many are actually made with Pilsner malt only. The character is further lightened with the light candy or white sugar that uh, Belgian brewers are so fond of and may comprise up to 20% of the fermentables. Though Triple is a fairly thin beer, there should be some malt presence, uh, light but firm mouthfeel, and nary a trace of alcohol content, which is probably why it is so smooth. Bottle conditioning is essential, furnishing some some texture, exuberant effervescence, cellular metamorphosis, nuance, and depth. There are some big words in there. Yeah. North American triple is sometimes kegged as well as bottled. Uh, in the latter case, it, the beers are treated just as their Belgian counterparts, naturally conditioned in the bottle. Uh, hops can have a predominant presence uh, with bittering rates as high as you know, 40 IBU. Most are less than that, but in a beer unobstructed by dark malt, the hops are usually conspicuous in aroma with just enough bitterness to play off the light malty finish. Like most Belgian beers, hop varieties could be indigenous or are more likely imported from England, Germany, the Czech Republic, Slovenia, and even France, and used in various combinations displaying the classic floral herbal quality that we associate with other beers of note from Europe. Yeah, I think it's the floral and like herbal qualities of this particular beer that I appreciate the most. It's definitely not the yeast character or the malt character. It's it's sort of the... Uh, culinary like savory sort of flowery 
uh, essence of these beers. That's that is so appealing to me. I tend to think that um, for me, especially with like the quadruples, it was the like alcoholic sweetness that I really gravitated towards um, mm-hmm. when I got into that mm-hmm. area. Uh, but on the lighter Belgian side, yes, I agree with you. It's that the floral notes are definitely very attractive. The typical spicy yeast that has come to define many Belgian beers, and that's that spicy yeast that I just I couldn't get on board with, but I've started really kind of coming around to. Um, it, it's in its full glory with triples. Though the house yeast will vary somewhat from brewery to brewery, they share many of the same fermentative byproducts and undoubtedly some ancestry because, you know, these are all very classically brewed beers. Um, a lot of these, there's so much history here, the ancestry of these, um, you know, these uh, yeast strains. It, it's definitely there. Spice notes include cinnamon, pepper, nutmeg, and clove. And banana is often a common descriptor and entirely a product of the yeast, as are whispers of orange and lemon citrus. A lot of that flavor uh, that is imparted by bananas, I believe, is due to the esters from from the yeast itself, right? I believe you're right. Yeah, it's uh, and I've had several I've had a bunch of different beers that really have that like banana clove thing. And it's it's a really attractive character. It, it can be with some beers and with others, it is kind of an off flavor. It, it depends on how intense it is and why it's there, I think. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, the combination of the pale malt, sugar and yeast might even offer hints of apple, pear, peach or apricot. So you're getting a wide range of flavors off of these, depending on kind of the variants. Clearly, these yeasts are not chosen to simply complete the task of gobbling up sugar, but are also valuable for the distinctive imprint that they put onto these beers. The clove and banana notes can also be found in top fermenting wheat beer yeasts uh, of Belgium and Germany, which does make sense because the one thing that I really put like banana and clove to is um, that I've had is Sierra Nevada's Keller Weiss. Um, mm-hmm. They release that once a year. That one is one that I definitely get that sort of like clove and banana thing on that I've had at least in recent years. But this, you know, the fact that they kind of share this with the triple, they really suggest some common lineage among these uh, the styles. Sometimes small amounts of spices may be included in the kettle, though it, it is unusual. And I'm sure there are people out there who are trying to mix things up. And an interesting note here is, uh, according to the brewmaster at Half Moon Brewery in Bruges, Belgium, the term refers to the amount of malt used to make the beer. So a triple is made with three times the malt in the wort, and therefore the outcome is a higher ABV. That makes sense. So you're getting just factors of three in terms of the alcohol content going three, six, and nine, um, which makes sense. It's, you know, three times the amount of fermentable sugars that are in there. So let's take a look at our uh, beer histories of this particular style. This is one, obviously, that's been out for, for a while. Um, I Again, like I said, I have checked into a lot of these in my earlier uh, untapped days. Uh, Dust Bowl was actually one of my first triples that I checked into. I have had probably a couple from... Um, fat tire as well, sort of like in the in the six pack. I think one of the most well known ones is from Victory Brewing. Our friends over at Victory, their Golden Monkey is a Belgian triple. Maybe one of the more interesting ones that I've had recently is the Seven Stills out here in uh, San Francisco. They had a triple Brett, so it was kind of like a a Belgian triple style, you know, sort of like low ish IBU beer, but bre- breadified, if you would. Uh, very, very interesting. Lots of obviously very complex flavors, um, mostly crystal hops um, and Vienna malts. So it's super, super interesting, very complex, 
Um, and it says about 150 pounds of wildflower honey from Santa Rosa. So it it had sort of that like super local uh, honey flavor to it, which was very cool too. Looking at my stats, I have five Belgian triples in uh, my history here. Uh, the most recent was actually, I had actually in France. It was uh, from Brasserie Parisis. Uh, it was a, it's called Triple. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't remember much about it. I did not give it the best rating. Um, I stopped by some random um, liquor store just to scope out what was there. And uh, that was one of them that I picked up just probably based off the fact that it was local. But uh, it's a it's a category that I really I don't have a lot of history in. And I will say three of the five beers that I have in here are named triple. <laughs> That's true. So it tends to be like if you go to a local brewery in the u.s it's going to be just their triple this is their triple it's uh, again like one that they come out with a variant with maybe every year but uh they won't make many variations of it year to year it's just sort of that's the beer that they've got it's the triple i think also one of the the more well-known ones is uh allagash curio uh they're 11 percent, a little bit higher on the abv but their Belgian triple. That is also a very, very classic one. I've had that uh, a number of times. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of um, a friend of mine. That's like basically his favorite beer. So I've definitely had that as well. Want to show off your love of Untapped? Check out our online store and pick up Untapped branded glassware, shirts, sweatshirts, hats, and more. Go to store.untapped.com and enter the coupon code podcast. At checkout, you'll get 20% off all orders. That's store.untapped.com, coupon code podcast. Over at store.untapped.com, you'll get 20% off. All right, let's take a look at some of the interesting beer articles that we have found this week. So our first article here comes from BeerPulse.com. It is Undercurrent Series Unveiled by Firestone Walker's Barrel Works. So typically we don't cover beer brewery releases just because there's so many of them. And there's not usually anything specifically interesting. You know, it's just another IPA or another this or another that. And there are just so many of them that we just clog this up with, you know, promoting a bunch of different releases. But I thought this one was kind of interesting because... It, this new um, this new beer series that they're doing, it's a lot of um, interesting ingredients. And I think that's part of why I thought it would be cool to cover. Well, plus, if there's a pun involved, I'm all over it. <laughs> this is true. From the fields of Poland to the coast of California comes Undercurrents, an inaugural cross-continental wild beer from Firestone Walker's Barrel House. There's a quote here from Master Blender Jim Cooks. He says, we have been toying around with the idea of a current-infused beer for several years now. There's your, uh, there's your pun. Mm-hmm. We finally decided to strike when we were able to score beautiful whole black currants from a farmer in Poland, which is renowned as one of the world's finest current growing regions. I had no idea. After hand harvesting in Poland, the whole black currant is treated with IQF, which is uh, individually quick frozen um, technology to perfectly preserve their fresh aromas and flavors. Then they're shipped to California and they were delivered to the Barrel Works last summer. I think that's really interesting to be. Because currants are not a flavor that we typically get here in the U.S. Just as a, a brief fun fact, 
the purple Skittles that you see in just your regular bag of Skittles that you get here in the U.S. Oh, no way. No way. Those are black currant flavor everywhere except the U.S. So if you go pick them up in Europe, those purple Skittles are going to be black currant flavored. That's that's nuts. I had no I was hoping you would say that it was here, but that that wouldn't make sense if it's not a very popular flavor here. That's now I'm going to go get some Skittles from another country. There is an article over at Business Insider. We'll include this in the show notes, podcast.untap.com, and uh, you can read this if you'd like. Uh, Crooks also said, we knew that the fresh fruit flavors were critical to the success of this beer, and this amazing IQF technology made it possible. Crooks and his team blended the currants with 150 barrels of Agrestic Ale, which is Barrelworks' wild iteration of Firestone Walker's signature DBA Pale Ale. DBA is definitely a go-to and one of those beers that got me into craft beer. DBA being double barrel ale? Yes, correct. They'd been aging this uh, Agrestic for 12 to 48 months and aged an additional four months at Oak Fooders. Lastly, more Agrestic ale was added back into the blend to achieve an optimal balance of current flavor and texture. Cook his say, and the intensity of the current flavors was out of this world. By cutting more Agrestic into the final blend, we were able to dial everything into the perfect balance. Once again, Firestone Walker loves to blend everything. Sounds good to me. I mean, I think what they're trying to accomplish with this is not just like, hey, we're going to make another unique one. It is that the blend of those flavors is such that it balances their beers in a way that makes them maybe a little more pleasant, a little unique. Um, and then they're taking those black currants and, you know, doing something also extremely unique with them. It's I, I don't think it's just kind of blending for the sake of blending. It's definitely purposeful, which is good. No, it definitely is. And a fun fact here, too, is that undercurrents, they actually it pays a homage to the iconic consecration ale, which is made by Russian River Brewing Company. Mm -hmm. Uh, with whom Firestone Walker has collaborated many times over the years. In fact, Barrelworks beers are bottled with a bottling line inherited from Russian River. Interesting. So they was Russian River. Russian River must have been uh, down in that area brewing with them. Is that where Pliny the Younger is? Is maybe contract brewed part of the time, or is that? So far as I know, Russian River is just they've they've been up in Santa Rosa as long as they've been around. But it sounds like they've worked with Firestone Walker many times, and eventually just let them inherit their bottling line from I don't know a past brew house setup. Yeah, something maybe that would that they have tried the this type of infused beer with before, and would a bottling line impart off flavors or like weird weird flavors to, to something i doubt it but not if it's cleaned properly yeah yeah true true very true it's not it's not like um it's not like inheriting the cooktop from your favorite burger place where you've got all those flavors cooked in there sure or like going to a an antique shop and finding a cast iron pan and restoring that it's not it's not it's not going to taste like the pie that grandma made 400 years ago. <laughs> yeah, all this stuff has to be clean because especially when you're working with wild ales and proprietary yeast and all that stuff, you don't want anything to get in there that's weird. I mean, maybe you do want something weird to get in there. This is true, especially with the open the open vat fermenting, but that's a whole that's a whole nother area. Mm -hmm. So speaking of articles that are related to today's show, our next article comes from theguardian.com. Beer brewing Trappist monks put faith in plants to reduce water waste. Everyone loves a good story about trying to offset the waste from brewing. Here we have another one. The Koningshoven Abbey is one of only 13 places in the world to brew Trappist beer, and its products have won over drinkers around the world. For all the commercial success, however, a nagging sense that money has triumphed over spirituality 
has prompted the monks to rethink their use of water after more than 130 years. The Cistercian Monastery on the Dutch-Belgian border is the first brewery in Western Europe to construct a plant-based water filtration system that avoids the current waste of 7 liters of water for every liter of beer produced. In a large greenhouse, 70 species, including ferns and other subtropical plants, sit above bins of wastewater that flows through pipes from the brewery. Ah. The interaction of the microorganisms on the plant's roots and the bacteria in the water purifies it for reuse. Very, very interesting. Okay. We are praying seven times a day to praise the Lord for his creation, but we were not thinking in the right way to stop pollution, said Father Isaac of his brewery. We have had to translate our faith into sustainability. It is hoped that the new system, which has been officially consecrated, will purify around 450,000 liters every seven hours when fully operational without any need for human intervention. I, I mean, speaking of green, this is this is taking green to a next level. You've got literally 70 species of green tropical plants that are filtering your water. I That's... Mind-blowing and super cool. All right, show notes are available at podcast.untapped.com. If you've got any questions for us or you've got some feedback, be sure to head over to Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're at Untapped Everywhere. You can tag us, let us know what you think about the show, or uh, tag us in a check-in on Untapped. I'm at Kyle Roderick on there. Tim is T-I-M-M-3-H. Uh, let us know that you're listening, and I always love to see those check-ins. And if you have a second, head over to the Apple Podcast uh, shop and give us a little rating, write a review, let us know what you think, because we uh, we love to see what's going on out there and what you guys think of our show. And also be sure to head over to yearin.beer. You can get your 2018 untapped stats and share it with friends. Until next week. Cheers. Cheers.